my God, we've taken forever to get started, haven't we? Yeah. yeah, some guy just sat outside in a delivery van for ages with thumping music. Blasting techno, 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 techno out his window. We've got our windows open again because it's warm, but not as warm as last week. We're not, we're not sort of dying of heat stroke. No, we're week. not melting. Mm, this is a strange start to the episode. <laughs> We tried loads of other different ways to start because we've had a bit of a week, if uh, I'm completely candid. And um, we just weren't quite sure how to begin. And then Sanya upset me, then I upset Sanya. And then... uh, (laughs) It was a great start. It was a terrible, terrible, uh, various aborted attempts at starting this episode. (laughs) What a way to start an episode. Like, How do people manage to upset each other in the first five minutes? Because we're emotionally open people and therefore we are basically like, appropriately enough for this episode, open wounds. <laughs> oh God, yeah, but also we are not at our energetic... We're not. Battery. Our energetic battery is not exactly full at the moment, Yeah, let's just say. This will last week has rolled over us like 56 train wheels. Ah! I see what you did there. Yeah, you know what that Very refers good. to because this is, I think, the fourth part of our. I forgot what the album's called. Our trip through somewhere else. That's it. Yes, our trip to somewhere else. Oh yeah, to somewhere else. Um, which is given that that where this album perhaps stands in the pantheon of Marillion albums has made me feel terrible about the fact we just gave Clutching at Straws one hour episode. <laughs> One one hour and 40 minute long episode. That's all we gave Clutching at Straws. How? I don't know. How? But I still remember, I feel like we said a lot about each song. So it, I, I don't know. I don't know why we took so little time over it. It's weird, isn't it? I think it was partly we were really emotionally exhausted after Misplaced Childhood. That's true. Yeah. Misplaced, misplaced Childhood was a very, very hard act. Hard act to follow. But I think because of that, because of what happened and the fact that we only ended up doing one ep on, on clutching. I mean, there was a secondary ep that was about the sort of breakup and everything else. But Okay. All so, right, yeah, then. I sort of saw them as two eps. I just didn't call it clutching at straws part one and part two. Um, right. I, I think that's why now we've kind of learned that in, we don't do albums back to back. We take a bit of time. Yes. Yeah, because especially, particularly moving albums can take a while for you to leave their wake. Mm. You know, the current around them can be quite strong. So no one wants to suck you back in. Um, so it it does need a bit of time. Mm. So let's let's stop waffling and let's crack on with. I think we're just going to do the last three songs of the album. We're not going to do the B sides. Let's we see. Might. If we have time, we can do the B sides. All right. Okay. Because it's going to be a bit weird having an episode with just the two B sides. Otherwise. Well, I wasn't expecting to do that. I thought we'd just tackle just ignore onto them. Some other old shit that we do. <laughs> Paul, no. They deserve a place. Yeah, they do. Oh, they do, because I love both those songs. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But we can just talk about them quickly. The Wound. The Wound. All right. You don't like this, do you? I don't love the sound of it. I really, I really don't. I mean, I don't hate it, but I just don't, I just don't enjoy listening to it. And it's, I don't know if it's because it's, it's a bit rocky. I don't 
think it's my favourite for H's voice with the music. Um, I do love the drumming in it because it's it's very primal. And I think especially the energy that it creates with the electric, that the primal drumming creates with the electric guitar. I love that. So the rhythm of it is great. I love the eeriness that it creates as well, that eerie atmosphere. Well, in, which the, sec- I think the, in the second four minutes, the first three minutes are one song and the second four minutes are something completely different. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, but I do love how the, the rhythm and like, so the drumming and the bass and everything creates an eerie atmosphere. But I feel that it's... No, this isn't a criticism. I think it's quite straightforward musically, so I don't have a ton to say about the music. But I just don't really love it. It's okay. It's basically, overall, it's okay. I do have a slight issue, though, that comes up every time I listen to it. Oh. It's changed the way I hear the song now, and I can't unhear it every time I listen to it. So it's probably affecting what I think of the song and not in the way the band would want. At around six minutes and five seconds, something like that approximately, H's singing reminds me of a Tim and Eric character and when he does his Uh, singing. The one that sings Bang Bang Cops and Robbers. Well, unfortunately now you told me this the other day. Yeah, I can't unhear it and it's like, oh. If If you don't know who Tim and Eric are, they're couple of american comedians that do very surreal bizarre stuff i absolutely adore them but they have this character called casey who sings in a certain way um and h's falsetto singing it's really not a million miles away from this character casey and now that h's singing is better like let's just put it out there h's singing is a million is a million times better you mean it's better than a kind of greasy faced weirdo who vomits at the end of every song. I, but I would hope. <laughs> no, his voice sounds nicer. <laughs> By the way, I, Look, when, Tim... when I say, sorry, can I, I need, just need to sort of say, when I say greasy face weirdo, I'm not talking about fish. <gasps> Paul! He used to wear the grease paint. Wow. <laughs> and frankly looked like a weirdo but on stage. I have to say, Tim Heidecker, who plays the character of Casey, has a, an excellent voice. So oh, yeah, it's he not, does. oh yeah, it's not like yeah. he's got a bad voice. He's got a good voice. If you, if you, I recommend his albums. He does proper albums. Yeah, he, he's not just a comedian. Uh, we've seen him live actually, haven't we? Kind of. We doing, have, yeah. Doing I've his kind of songs about that. They're really, um, I guess, kind of a bit Randy Newman esque, but uh, but I, I really like his music. Yeah. Anyway, um, but. Now that Sanya has ruined the song for me by linking H's falsetto to Tim and Eric, I'm now going to ruin it for all of you. And here we are. Okay, everyone, that's Sanya's fault. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I. So that's me with the music. Well, me with the music. I, I think the first three minutes, it's a very basic 
trad rock song. As we've established, I don't think it's Marillion's strongest suit when they do this kind of thing. However, I do think the rocky part of this song is uh, better than some of their rockers. It's not Paper Lies. It's better than that. It's catchier than that. It's not... Uh, oh, Sanya doesn't think so. No, you think now ca- that you've mm. said that, I think I'd probably prefer Paper Lies. Really? You hate it that much? I don't hate it. I said it's okay. Yeah, but Paper Lies isn't okay. That's not okay in anyone's book. <laughs> so if you say this is okay, it's a step up. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. But my issue with this song is, and I remember reading an interview that I couldn't find, unfortunately, where they made a deliberate choice to kind of reverse the structure Whereas normally Marillion's song, songs start slow and then build as they go. They decided to do the opposite with this song. However, in doing that, it completely freaking ruins it because what you have instead is a song that loses all its momentum three minutes in and just sort of peters out over the course of four excruciating minutes. Oh, so you, you're not a massive fan? No, it's it. an abs- that, those last four minutes are an absolute slog. And I don't know whether that because of that, that I actually prefer the first three minutes more than I otherwise would, a song like that. But I actually don't, I really genuinely don't mind those three minutes. Right. Um, But the song is completely ruined by those four minutes that do not change, that do not go anywhere, and then have H... Bang, bang, cops and robbers. Bang, bang, robbers and cops. Bang, bang, with that gun. Put him in jail. Put him in jail. Sorry to everyone's ears. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't got a lot to say about that. I mean, it. it's just... It, it, what it sounds most like to me, that second half, is this is the 21st century with the brakes on and with a less pretty sort of melody yeah the it, melody is less pretty it's sort of this got this creeping weird atmosphere but yeah not I told in, you eerie but eerie, but that might be what they want to create but marillion do eerie really well sometimes marillion you know i think there's a lot on brave that's eerie i think there's stuff on misplaced childhood that i would describe as eerie here it's just it's not i don't know if eerie's right it's just a bit and it's just boring I do feel it's eerie and I think it links well with the lyrics because the lyrics made me feel icky and what did I say? Icky? The lyrics felt eerie. I can look at it. Well, we'll get to the lyrics in a minute. I do before, before I just damn this song forever. uh, I do want to say though that in that first half again, I do with headphones on, it's actually quite an, quite a layered song. You can hear there's a lot going on. Mm. Um, and I, I think it's about the next song as well, The Last Century for Man. There's some really good keyboard in there. It's quite very... It's, it's this album as a whole, and we'll, we'll talk about the production at the end, but this album as a whole, it doesn't have moments where people stand out individually as much as on some Meridian albums. You can't kind of go, there's a keyboard solo. Uh, there's a guitar solo. Yes. It, it's it, more condensed. Yeah, but it's it, it perhaps that's as well because the the arrangements are simpler. The songs are more straightforward, which was a conscious choice. I mean, in the interview in the web magazine with Mike Hunter, he said, he said, no one had the appetite to try and create an ocean cloud or a huge narrative. They, these were all songs that could work in simpler arrangements. 
Um, it was a, so it was a conscious choice not to do that big Meridian widescreen thing. You know, mm. they were I wouldn't say burnt out after Marvels, but they definitely wanted to do something different. They just wanted a break from something so intense, maybe. Yeah, and something sort of more more straight ahead. Mm. But I don't know. It, I just it's just I just for me it just doesn't work as a song, at least musically, and it doesn't work in terms of the arrangement. I think you know, and it and also. It's not a song that's ever going to work in a live set, partly because those last four minutes just are interminable and go on forever. But also, again, it's gonna you've got this big up tempo bit, and then you're just going to sap all the energy out of the room with those those creeping four minutes. Yeah, I wonder how many times it's been played live. I wish I, I could look I it wish... up, but not that many. I can tell you that. So let's talk lyrics. Do you want to talk about what it's about? Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, the lyrics are fascinating. Mm. So I may not have enjoyed the sound of the song immensely. I find the lyrics absolutely brilliant and fascinating, even though they did give me an eerie feeling. I love the lyrics of this song. Yes. I think it might be the widest gulf between the music and the lyrics that I think Marillion have ever done in terms of my enjoyment of both. They're like... Opposite ends. I think they're some of H's finest lyrics. Yeah, I agree. I think the lyrics are brilliant. I just wish they'd been used in a better song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Overall, I think it sounds like it might be a breakup song after a particularly painful breakup. But it also sounds like the breakup was the result of a much deeper, long stand, longer standing issue. And possibly caused by an unhealed wound that had been part of him for years. And then I think, you know, it's quite straightforward where he's saying he tried to he tried to heal this wound by wrapping it up and not picking at it, not trying to bump it, but none of that worked. It just led him to being unable to sleep or work and got in the way of his everyday life. So then he tried to just ignore it, pretended it wasn't there. He tried not to rock the boat basically just put a plaster on it but he never actually looked at with either of those approaches he never actually looked at the deeper issue to see what was causing the wound and what was stopping the wound from healing all of his all of his attention was on the symptom and none of it was on the cause i think the metaphor of the fern the fern of pain that grew out of the wound was so vivid And it really reminded me of the upside down in Stranger Things. Like as I listened to the song, and this is partly because the music was eerie. As I listened to the song, every time I listened to the song, the visuals that would come into my head were of a land like the upside down in Stranger Things, which is, you know, created or at least populated by, spoiler alert, by a wound in someone that was unhealed and that instead of being healed grew. So yeah, I was in my mind's eye. I was seeing like spidery vines and darkness, and like these red. The fern was a kind of deep purpley red, a bit like veins, I suppose. And the the this these vines or this fern was using the wound as fertile soil. So the visuals it gave me were kind of disgusting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. That's felt... your overactive imagination. He's literally just describing some ferns. It it. Yeah, but the visuals were kind of disgusting to me and they felt a bit icky and creepy and ew and I don't know why and I wanted to recoil from them. But at the same time, I think they're brilliant. 
So it's kind of like a horror film. It's not it's not lovely to look at, but you can appreciate the the beauty of the art in mm. it and what the metaphor is, what it's a saying. Fern is almost like a fractal. If you ever seen what sort of fractal yes, it images is. are like, they're yes. very fern like. Yes, that's I don't it. know what I mean by that's that. So I just true. it's just an observation. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I had to say about that. Okay, well, as I've already said, I love the lyrics to this. Yes. I was at, at the time, they're one of, for me, one of the key Meridian songs that I kind of go, yep, that speaks to me at this point in my life. Because in 2007, fucking hell, I, sorry for swearing, uh, just slipped out, matron. Um, Jesus, just calm down, Paul. Right, I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, in 2007, 2008, they're, they're sort of the point at which I sort of saw my life hit rock bottom, yeah, emotionally. You know, my marriage, like I was in there, that, and just lots, there were lots of other things that were going on at the time, and all of them felt like, it's like at the moment, right, we're going through a bit of a rough time. My dad's in hospital, you know, works a bit thin on the ground, to say the least. Uh, we've got things that we're worried about. But the stuff that sort of I was going through back then in the 2000s, I don't want to sound like I'm painting myself as a victim or anything like that, but they felt like they were the result of the actions of other people. So in a way, it's like what we're going through at the moment, it's shit and it hurts and it is a bit like every day is like another train wheel rolling over my head. But there's a different sort of pain when you feel it's someone else's unconscious actions or deliberate cruelty because I had a lot of problems back then as well you know I'm not just talking about certain things that happened within my marriage but I had trouble with uh, stalkers uh, and the people on a message group who decided that they were going to just try and ruin my life as much as possible and this all kind of happened in the span of a, a two years and it and it was already off the back of what I saw as a, an existing wound. Mm-hmm. That something, I had something, some revelations. Oh, just wait for the plane to go past. So rude. <laughs> the rude plane. You know, I had some stuff that, that had happened in my life some years before that I, for various reasons, had to sort of push aside and get on with sort of raising my kids. Oh, so the wound was there, but you were choosing not to look at it. it. Yeah. And it was only once I hit that rock bottom with a lot of other stuff that then brought it to sort of the surface Mm. that I kind of finally went, I've got to address this. I have to heal this wound. Mm -hmm. And so these lyrics, my God, they spoke to me. Uh, They really did. And I've said this before, but, and I don't know if this was me projecting, but the trajectory of perhaps a lot of what H went through, I could relate to at least, or at least the trajectory of the lyrics. And this was just sort of the latest one that came along that I kind of went bloody hell. He's, he's living my life. He gets me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Uh, so this song, at least lyrically means a lot to me, but musically it's just a, freaking dirge but (laughs) (laughs) let's be honest when H has talked about it Mm. he's clearly 
dodge the issue of what it's actually about. I'm putting my own meaning onto it. I can't say that for him it was a wound or something in his marriage that was left unaddressed. I can't say that, but it was in my case. Mm. But whenever he's talked about it, he's talked about quite a well-known incident when he was in the band Harlow. I think it was Harlow, his first band. Uh, And he was playing on a cruise ship. And you know this story, everyone knows this story. Yeah where the bassist apparently attacked the drummer with a broken bottle and H intervened and got all his hands slashed up and he nearly died through blood loss by all accounts um, and had to have his hands bandaged or, or stitched up on the on the ship. Uh, and he, for a long time, in the early days of Marillion with H, he used to wear bandages on his fingers Oh, uh, right. And that was, he described it as a good luck thing. I mean, it seems like a bad luck thing, but anyway, you know, then again, I can't see. No, but maybe the gig he had after yeah, the maybe. accident, he had bandages <laughs> on his hand and it went really well. Yeah. but I'm uh, just guessing because yeah, I can't remember. Just, My memory's not the best, guessing. so I can't remember the actual story. Also, I can't really see Pete attacking anyone with a broken bottle. <laughs> Can you imagine Pete attacking Ian with a broken bottle? What, what's that got to do with H wearing bandages on his hand? Well, because it was the bassist in his first band that attacked oh, the drummer. Oh, right, right. Pete Travis, I don't know if you know this, is the bassist in Marillion and Ian Mosley is the drummer. Is he? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> Pete would... Uh, no, he wouldn't attack he wouldn't anyone. Do that. He might come at you with like a, a fluffy slipper at most. <laughs> <laughs> uh or a, a cream pie. No. A cream yeah. pie? No. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> was, no, no, Pete. No, Pete is not going to attack anyone with a cream pie. Um, I don't think he's going to attack anyone full stop. No, it's been a hard week. It has. My brain's I'll forgive you. not working. So uh, he's never sort of really elaborated on it beyond that. But for but me... But then where does the fern come into well, it? For me, obviously, the entire thing is is a metaphor for an emotional wound. Mm. You know, that may have been his starting point, the same as, like, he goes to the freaking Tower of London and then writes uh, Sierra Leone off the back of it because he happened to see a diamond in the Queen's hat. <laughs> um, and this is, you know, that's the starting point, was him being hurt on that ship. Why are you frowning at me so much? It's freaking me oh, out. Sorry. I've never seen you frown so intensely. Sorry, I was trying to figure it out. I was in my head trying to figure out how the fern... Now, Okay, here's the thing. The fern thing, I don't get what it is, but I love the the imagery of the fern. I don't yeah, get... but the fern seems to be using the wound as soil, as nutrients to grow. Do you know what, for so, me... So as long as the wound is there, the fern is going to be growing, and the ferns grow in darkness and in damp conditions, right? That's yeah. why it creeps me out. The thought of it creeps me out, because it's like these vines that grow in darkness... I know a fern is not a vine, but um, and I love ferns, so I don't know why. Why are you why are you focusing on the ferns so much? I just like I just love the poetry of that that last verse or whatever it so is. So I guess it's representing life. That I don't care what it represents. Grows out of pain or beauty well, maybe. that can grow out of pain. I don't care what it represents. I just love the fact that the, the lyrics are so evocative and so strong yes they are and they're obviously they are, very 100%. personal yes yeah. can i just do a shout out as well to my favorite line in the entire song which is and your life took on a life of its own that is the line that jumped out uh, to me that's what the fern does my god will you shut the 
fuck up about the fun. No, but that is what it does. It takes on a life on of its own. Right. Okay. I just fine. Let's move on because no. I, okay, <laughs> you explain. Okay, explain what. Well, it, it just it says so much in one line in that it. Please do not relate this back to ferns. Please. I'll try not to. Okay. I'll just be doing it in my head. You know, it just says so much in one line about someone who doesn't feel in control of their own life. Mm. You know, the life is like a runaway train. You're just laying down on the tracks. I just think, you know, that your life rolled on over me, like bang, bang, like 56 train wheels. I just think yeah. it's genius, lyrically. What a what a shame. It's such a dirge of a song. Uh, a couple of other little things. Again, don't mention the ferns. We've heard enough about the ferns. <laughs> I'll try not to. Uh, the scared breaths at the end of the song. <sighs> Have you heard those? Oh, no. What? I didn't jump out. You got to hear them with, with the headphones on. There's, I, yeah, I did. It ends with, uh, you got to turn it up loud. Yeah. <laughs> like scared breaths. And another thing which oh. I noticed, which I didn't know was in there, when you look on the lyrics page on marillion.com, there's mm. a line at the end. Now there's some sad things known to the man from Planet Marzipan. <gasps> yes, no, I wanted to bring, I wanted to mention that. Mm. Well, it's not in the song that I can hear unless it's really buried. That's right. No, I wanted to mention that because it was like, okay, foreshadowing. Yeah. What on earth? I haven't listened to the man. Well, I haven't looked at the lyrics for the man to plat. The man from plat. Still right again. There. <laughs> the man from plot. No, you speaking Marzipanian. I am. I haven't listened to. I haven't looked at the lyrics from the man from. Planet Marzipan. Everyone, it's been a very hard week for both of us. Just to <laughs> See, say. What's so. my excuse the rest of the time? Um, <laughs> but it was fascinating to see that line in there. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Mm. Do you, having already studied the man from Planet Marzipan, I haven't, do you see the connection? Or you've looked at the lyrics. Do you see the possible connections? Uh, in the sense that I think, uh, sorry, spoilers for when we get to Happiness is the Road. Uh, it's really weird because they did Happiness is the Road re- relatively recently on Corona Diaries and H again doesn't really go into a lot of depth sometimes when he describes his lyrics or, to, or explains his lyrics but I I always saw it as a song about someone a bit like the Invisible Man who felt alienated by the world you know it's oh. a metaphor it's, li- it's on a literal sense it's about an alien but in yeah. another sense it's about someone who feels like an alien ah oh. yeah Interesting. Uh, um, Interesting. So, yeah, we can see the connection then with the wound. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on to yes. the last century for man? Yeah. Okay. Well, I actually like the last century for man. Do you? Wait, is it for man or of man? I've written of man. For man. Oh, I got it wrong. Um, I find the music box start a little bit creepy, but that's fine because I was already feeling creeped out by the wound. Um, and then the lolloping guitar throughout it is gorgeous. I love H's soulful singing. Uh, I find it also has a very catchy rhythm throughout it that makes you want to sway and sing along. And the orchestral build. Oh, here we go again with the helicopters. <sighs> Always helicopters flying around our house. That's good. I keep killing people. <laughs> no, cancel and, and delete. From the law. Cancel and delete. <laughs> you could have said something like robbing banks, but no, you had to say killing people. I do. I keep shooting them. 
No, stop. Cancel <laughs> and delete. I can't, I can't stop. Don't want that energy out in the I world. I can't stop. That's the trouble. It's why there's always the helicopters. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, the helicopter is gone. Yeah, and then the orchestral build towards the end that starts around approximately 3 minutes 52 as H sings, eat all we can, drink all we can, use all we can, is just beautiful. I find it really masterful in the way that it mirrors the finality of the lyrics as Mm. well. And it's just such a strong climactic ending that then transitions into the sound of emptiness and of wind which I thought was a beautiful artistic flourish that was as poetic as H's lyrics. Helicopter's back. Helicopter's back. They're looking for you. Right. Anything yeah. else to say? That's all I have to say. Uh, I think it's a really boring song. No. <laughs> it's really boring. No. It's never a song I would ever seek out. And additionally, it has been ruined for me by, I think it was Stephen Wicks from Mockillion, who pointed out to me <laughs> that it's a complete rip-off of, of t- The Tourist from Radiohead's OK Computer. This is harking back to Marillion trying to sound like other bands. And now that I've heard it, I cannot unhear it. And frankly, freaking helicopters, what is going on? I don't know. The day we don't have anchors being dragged along the ceiling, we've got helicopters circling our neighbourhood. I think it's finally gone away. You know, bear in mind, this album came out in 2007. OK Computer came out in 1997. I think it's a shame when Marillion do this. I've said it before. I think it's a massive shame when Marillion try to not only sound like other bands, but sound like bands that are younger... I mean, even though Radiohead by this point were certainly no spring chickens themselves, but by bands that are sort of more critically acclaimed, it feels always slightly desperate of them. And here, I, you know, okay. But do you think it was a conscious choice? That's literally what I was about to say next oh, okay. was, you know, yes, okay, it might have come out from them because they've been listening to Radiohead. But I don't know. The thing is... <laughs> When Marillion are at their best, and this is a, a drum that I repeatedly bang, it's when Marillion are sounding like themselves and playing to their strengths. Any time, generally, when they try to sound like someone else, it sounds laboured. And this song, for me, is laboured. It feels like it's heavy and it, it's struggling to drag itself forwards. You know, that this thing, it feels like the band are dragging this melody and the music behind them with like chains that are sort of 10 feet wide and made of cast iron. Wow. Uh, that, it, it just, it doesn't seem like it flows in the way that, you know, and you go and listen to the tourist the way the tourist does because Radiohead are in their comfort zone because they're being true to themselves. Radiohead do not generally try to sound like other people. And when Radiohead got to a place where they were comfortable in that, model you know and that format of what their songs were Radiohead just went you know what sod it and they ripped up the rule book and started doing something completely different I would like to say instead of saying comfort zone we could call it zone of genius because you can get out of your comfort zone and do something different but if it's within your zone of genius then it's 
it's still going to be I agree. Okay, true sorry, to yes. you and wonderful. Comfort zone sounds like you're resting on your laurels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, Radiohead did not rest on their laurels. They kind of went, okay, well, let's push ourselves. But I think Marillion, within the ballpark of what they can do, are at their best when they're pushing that sound forwards, you know, mm. and pushing themselves to try new things. And trying new things is not sounding like old things, mm. you know, that, that they haven't come up with. Right, unless it comes naturally to you. And it could have. And like I have to say, my experience of this song is nothing like yours because I don't I don't feel any of what you said in it. It doesn't sound to me like they're dragging chains behind yeah, them. Yeah, but maybe you don't. Well, I'm I, not familiar with the radio. But also, song. I've always thought this. I've always thought this song, song sounded like a bit of a slog. For me, it sounds like wading through thick mud. And I know the band didn't think that because at the time when they were making the album, they thought this was going to be considered a Meridian classic above everything else on the album, even somewhere else. Wow. Uh, but, I mean, I'd still prefer somewhere else, but I I like it. But here's the thing, you see. When Meridian started, right, There's no, what I will say is that there's, there's no shame in being influenced by other things. Absolutely. You know, but stamp your own thing on it. Now, yeah, Marillion, infuse it with your own energy essence, and essence. Yes, to, yes. To borrow a word. When Marillion started, you know, I I can hear the Genesis influence, but on an album like Script for Justice Tear, there's so much more energy, and they've got the sort of more real life lyrics as opposed to singing about fantasy and stuff like that. You know, they they were a harder edged Genesis mm. when they started to the point that I. I yes, I can hear the influence, but they don't sound like copyists to me. And then they took it somewhere else, to coin a phrase, on like Fugazi, and then by m- misplaced, they were just Marillion. Hmm. But when Marillion have been at their weakest is when they've doubted themselves. And this, for me, sounds like a song where they're doubting who they are, and they don't take the influence of something like right, someone like like Radiohead and imbue it with anything of their own. And in the few moments in this song where it is imbued with the spirit of Marillion, it pulls against what's there. You know, because at some point around the time of OK Computer, Marillion got into their heads. Whoever told them this, it's a complete lie that somehow OK Computer was influenced by Brave. OK Computer sounds nothing like Brave. Yes, it, it embraced some prog spirit from the past, but also it sounds like something completely new. And then Meridian kind of went, oh, well, they're our contemporaries. You know, well, let's do a cover version of Fake Plastic Trees, a very lovely cover version of Fake Plastic Trees. But by the time Meridian did that, Radiohead had moved on from that. So Meridian are then sort of, instead of moving for pushing forwards and pushing themselves forwards, they're staying mired in the past. Mm-hmm. And you see it on Radiation in a massive way where they're trying to sound like a Britpop version of Meridian mm-hmm. instead of trying to sound like a version of Marillion, you know, or Marillion. Yeah. My biggest issue, though, isn't that it's clearly a Radiohead ripoff. It isn't that. It's just that it's a really dull song for me. That it, it, it's it's pretty in places. It, it's inoffensive. It's got a nice sort of bluesy kind of drift to it. Yeah, I find it very soulful. <sighs> yeah, and then I, I okay, and I really don't like that sort of descending, uh, funfair keyboardy bit at the the end of that like that oh dear oh dear also what the fuck is it about oh well okay let's move on to that so i started and i i I think it's obvious what it's about but also 
within that, I also asked the question again, what is it about? Yeah. So I started off by asking the question, I, it's not true, but I, I started by saying, is H being sarcastic? <laughs> like, it makes what? you wonder, yeah. <laughs> it was like, I'm not sure. Because um, I thought the meaning was quite straightforward in that it seems to be an environmental song, once again anti-capitalist in spirit, warning that us that if we keep using and abusing our planet the way that we are, consuming without thought for the future, we'll literally be killing our chances to endure as a species. With words like, I want to feel alive, gas up the four-wheel drive. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's like he's saying, he's not mocking the people, but I guess critiquing the people who just want to consume and live their life through these materialistic objects without thinking, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I want to feel alive. Instead of helping the planet, they're like, I'm going to buy another car and drive a gas guzzling, really bad for the environment kind of car. So they're not thinking. And therefore that is stopping us as a planet for ever having a chance to have a long-term future. Interesting, because that my take on it was this is coming from the same narrator as no such thing. That same cynicism. And there like, was, you know, it's all there gonna, was it's cynicism. All end, so who cares? Everything's screwed. So what does it That's matter? That's not. I didn't take that as his personal view. I took that as him saying, "Many people seem to be thinking. Oh, who cares?" Really, I do, I just thought because he's. Like God I, I help, took it God help the... us all. America, France, the UK—they're all living this capitalist dream and this consumerist culture, not caring. Good luck to us. Well, I took it as because of where he's at in terms of his life, and you know, being at a low ebb. That's how I interpreted it. But you know, could be wrong. And really, I—I I don't find the lyrics interesting enough to care. And then there's the um, bit where he goes off about reality TV or what a grace or disgrace can make you a star these That's what days I was going to ask. Fame. Reality pays, let's decide who the terrorists are. I don't know. It, I yeah, find I it... was going to ask you about that because that was one lyric that I didn't fully understand what I it meant in the context of the song. I think it's you get famous now by falling out of a taxi and flashing your knickers and or being on reality TV. I think right. that's what rather than... So it it feels like a song from the point of view whether that's him or whether he's writing it as someone else of a sort of grumpy old man who um has sort of had enough and is a bit fed up with the world yeah but also saying guys if we keep living like this this is going to be our last century it's not clear is it that's what it seems like to me i thought it was quite clear but i just didn't i don't know why well, it I jumps wrote around that. i was wondering if he was view. sarcastic yeah, it oh, jumps maybe because he said god bless america i mean it it's like Maybe it was the I mean it was like, is he being sarcastic or is he not being sarcastic? But I think he's being sincere. Yeah, but he's being sincere and then he's also being cynical. He's being sincere in his cynicism. Okay. So it's like literally saying, guys, the way we're living is not sustainable long term. But also that it feels to me like there's, a, there's an element of resignation and going, ah, fuck it. I'll just do it anyway. I've sworn Maybe. a lot this episode. Apologies, everyone. But, you know, fuck it. um yeah i don't know yeah it it comes back to the whole issue of 
that we started to touch on a couple of weeks ago of whether H is at his best when he's looking at the world or when it, whether he's at his best when he's looking at himself. Mm. And personally, I think it's the latter because when he does the former and he tries to write about global issues, he comes at it from, I find, a slightly simplistic, obvious direction. And I don't find he's as insightful when he's singing about the world as he is when he's singing about himself or people or emotions. And which is a shame that, you know, he he's he sort of feels that that he's gone to that well too often. And he, you know, and I'll say it, there's some great lyrics on Fear and An Hour Before It's Dark, but I don't think they're his best lyrics. He's definitely at his strongest when he's channeling his introspection. Yeah. You know, when he's looking within and exploring his feelings. And, for and me, even when he's exploring world issues through the lens of his feelings, through the filter of his feelings, I I feel that works really well. So Gaza. Yeah, I mean, Gaza is, you know, it's great. Or um, on uh, Fear, the second song when he's talking about the key in the unlocked okay. door. Living with fear. Living with fear. Living in fear. Yeah, I've, I feel him kind of describing his experiencing of the world from within it mm. yes. really works but well. When, but when he does it as a sort of detached observer. Commentary. Commentary. Yeah. I find he doesn't add anything to the conversation. And it it he, it gets reduced to just a, just give everyone a hug. Um, and I don't find it, it, it useful. I suppose you kind of want songs that are about that to make you think. And H seems to, when he does it, you know, with the greatest of respect to him as a lyricist, and I admire him hugely as a lyricist. But when he does that, he seems to um, say stuff that we've all heard before. But I'm wondering if part of it is because he feels the pressure to make commentary. Well, yeah, on the this world. comes back to the fact that this is the make poverty and history era. Exactly. So maybe he just needs to know that it can be just as effective to make commentary on the world from a personal mm. experience, from a personal view viewpoint. You think he just needs to know that you should be the best? <laughs> no, <to understand>. Wow. <laughs> how, how beautifully condescending. Like, no, so that was awful. That was you awful. Just, someone just needs to tell him. <laughs> That it's still okay. Sorry, I didn't mean it in that way. I know that sounds like horrible and condescending. I didn't mean it in that way. It's okay, Ace. You can write things, write about this stuff from a personal perspective. I don't know you're going to leave this in because you're going to love the way you're making fun of me. So you're going to leave this in when I'm just like, we're inside. I'm thinking, I wish he'd edit that that out because I said it in such a terrible way. uh, Yeah, it's what they tune in for. And I didn't mean it in that way. It's what they tune in for, marital strife. I didn't mean it in that way. I know, I know you didn't. That's why it's fun to leave it in and wind you up. Um, Thanks. Yeah, look, I. that's it. That's all I really want to say about that. I, I think it's a shame that he's writing less about... It's like, for me, the best lyrics on... Um, the best lyrics on fear are white paper. And, oh, yeah. You know, where he's writing about ageing. Yes. And for me, it's he when he comes at those subjects, he comes at them from... and makes me sort of look at them from a, a slightly different perspective or it feels like it speaks to me personally because you know, it's his personal yeah, perspective the lyrics in the wound 
you know, the yes. whole, you know, my, it felt like my life had taken on a life of its own. It's like, my God, I can relate. Yeah. But when it's... But- yeah, isn't it weird that you can relate more to personal, individual lyrics rather than global kind of that lyrics that all. are made to be uh, more general? But it shows you that there's sort of universal commonalities between us all in terms of what we feel. Mm. And I think that is the magic of, of lyrics when they're at their best, you know, from anyone. But I don't know. I just, that's it really. I just, it, it's, I don't feel he, he adds to the conversation, which I think makes them feel like they've got less weight because instead of them rising to the top of a pile, they just get chucked into a, a big landfill of people going, oh, the world's screwed up. Mm. You know, war is bad. Uh, uh, you know, we've got to recycle, it's global warming, blah, blah, blah. That's that's it. You know, it's, we get those messages all the time. And to make your message stand out, you have to be saying something that's going to about affect, it. Yeah, but that's, that's going different. to affect people personally. Yes. On a personal, emotional level. And then they're going to care and then they might change their behaviour. You see... <laughs> And this is this is my problem with Be Hard On Yourself, which I love as a song. I still find those lyrics really a bit, you know, I'm not really saying anything that we've all thought. But why don't you write me a song about how you feel about how global warming is going to affect your grandchildren or your children? Mm. You know, make it personal. Yeah. That has more impact. I do think about that. Yeah, well, me too. Uh, you know, as as grandparents, I I really think do like think we about haven't got it. that many years left, but they do yeah. potentially. Well, how we've got years left? Well, yeah. not as many as them. No, but you actually said we haven't got that many years left. Well, in the grand scheme of things, no, we don't. Another... Yeah. Okay. Not as many as our just-born grandchildren do. No. All right. Anyway, shall we move on? Yes. Faith. Yay. I love Faith. I love Faith so much. It's such a gorgeous song. It's oh, beautifully sweet and folksy. I love the rawness that the acoustic vibe infuses into the song. It really feels like H is close to us, which is, I know that you, you've mentioned how this was a conscious decision for the whole album, but in Faith, I feel it works so well because it creates such a personal, heartfelt atmosphere. And it's it's become one of my favourite Marillion songs. I've put it on my personal favourites playlist. I joined or reapplied for the Marillion and fans group on Facebook just so I could vote for it to be played live. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I have to vote for this to be played live because it is one of my top tier favourites. And I especially love the change in music that happens around approximately one minute 44. It makes me feel so happy. I feel like it ends the album on a really optimistic, high vibe note, especially after the couple of songs that came before yeah, it. Yeah, you mean the two dirges that came before it? The two. Well, yeah, that thematically they weren't, <laughs> you know, the most uplifting. No. And I think the trombone at the end, I hope it's a trombone, adds such a lovely vintage flair to it as well. It's just delightful. Oh, I love it so much. I just want to keep listening to it. Well, uh, here comes the downer. <laughs> well, look, I've said here this before. I can see it in your I've face. I've said it before, right? This song was, was knocking around in the marbles days. Didn't end up on marbles, but they did play it live. 
okay, in a much more stripped back form. Mike Hunter gets hold of it. And in his words, let me just say what he says. This is from the same interview in the web. He admits that not everyone liked what they did on Faith, although he does defend it by saying it's not like we changed it a lot. The songs weren't different. That's different in sound from things that Dave had done with him. He's talking about the songs that were left over from those sessions. Um, and as Andy Rotherham, who's doing the interview, says, I think with Faith that people had got used to the stripped down version that they played at the conventions. Ah, oh, so people got used to it. Yeah. Uh, is it available to listen to anywhere? Yeah. I, I, oh, I should have listened to it. Now, yes, we had. Because what happened when we got the album version is that he effectively did a Phil Spector on Let It Be and stuck the horns on there. And that weird sound where Rother sings like he's hitting his guitar with a shoe, which I think is the what? bit where you like it, 1 minute 44. <gasps> yeah, I love Phil. that. Uh, bong, I lo- bong. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I love that. Um, and, I, you know, it's... And it's, I love the horns. As a song... It's clearly Marillion going, hey, we're the Beatles now. You know, they've done Radiohead. <laughs> now it's like, now we're the Beatles. They've, they've done Black Sabbath. <laughs> so I think this album overall has a lot in common with Radiation in that they're wearing their influences on their sleeve. Mm. But um, but for all that, it is a beautiful song. I love the sentiment. I love the lyrics. You know, I don't think we need to go into a lot of detail about the lyrics because it's just a song about describing love as magic yes you know it's it's actually it's it's like spiritual yeah it's very spiritual and it feels like um i like i love how the words connect and contrast with the hopelessness of no such thing where h also expressed a lack of faith but he also had a lack of belief in prayers and pearly gates and all that kind of non-physical faith like mystical faith and here he seems to transcend that faithlessness and go to a deeper place that makes sense so he goes so he goes to a place that is like you know it's faith but it's even it's deeper than it's faithless but i don't need to have faith because that's how strong my faith is i don't know if that i can't explain it you lost me a bit (laughs) well he says it he says it's like feeling but deeper yes yeah it's knowledge without proof. Oh, I love it. When when he says the earth is alive, it makes electricity work and fire dance in the sky. So there's that. It's magic that you don't need to understand. It just works. And I feel like he's describing a, a kind of tentative hope. And I was wondering if it was written while he had started falling in love. Because mm. it's describing the kind of hope you would hold at the beginning of a relationship where you can't say that you know 100% that it will work out. You hope it will. And sometimes you have like this deep subcognitive knowing that you, that it will work. Like on a, so on a mental conscious level, you're like, I don't know if it's going to work. Like I can't prove it 100%. And you hope it will. But on a subcognitive level, you're just like, yeah, I know it will. Mm. That's that's what that that's what his lyrics spoke to me in the song. Dang, 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 dang. <laughs> it is. It's like you, we were at my daughter's wedding last weekend, right? Mm. And um, there was a band playing because my son-in-law's or our son-in-law's brother is in a band. They're really good. They're called the Thumping Tommies. Look them up. They're a kind of I don't know, countryish. Yeah, I suppose. suppose. Skiffle band. I don't know. Anyway, they played at the wedding. And um, at one point, 
there was this well there was this little kid there who we kind of fell oh, in love with. Oh, he was brilliant. With. Little kid with a bow tie, glasses, like you know, in a suit. He was he was awesome. This kid, you know, it was like during the speeches, he would just come on and start sort of dabbing and, and <laughs> dancing dance, behind the dancing, was yeah, drawing this attention. Speech. We love we love a show off kid. We do. Um, you know, we may be in our minority a minority there, but we do love a show off kid. Anyway, at one point during the set that the band were playing, they gave this kid uh, the microphone. And he sang. I think he just took the microphone. Okay. Anyway, they let him keep it, and he just improvised singing in quotes along <laughs> to this song, and it was glorious in the moment. It really worked. I will say it was glorious. However, this song and the embellishments do rather remind me of his embellishments to the music that was being played at the <laughs> wedding. But then you haven't heard the original version, no. the stripped back one. Yeah. So, you know, you can't say, but yeah, maybe that's it. I've got the original in, in, you know, in my head, which is, yeah, which is interesting because the Beatles with, I don't know if you know the story of what happened with Let It Be. No, I don't. Was, with Let It Be, it was at a point when the, the, I don't know. I I don't know the full story and I'm sure there's loads of Beatles geniuses out there who will be able to tell me I'm wrong. But so what happened is that they recorded the album Let It Be and I think Paul McCartney always wanted it to be a more stripped down album like somewhere else. And what happened was I think John Lennon got Phil Spector, the now disgraced producer, um, to basically add loads of sort of orchestra and you know, backing vocals and make it sound really lush and reportedly McCartney hated it. So a few years back, McCartney kind of released the new version of Let It Be where he took all that Phil Spector shit off. But I'd heard the original and I prefer the original as opposed to Let It Be Naked as they called ah, it. So you prefer um, it with or the orchestra? With, yeah, and... now it's gone the other way right. with Faith. So right. I can't say, but I don't know. I do, for me, I still sort of say trying to be objective about it I still find that the brass rather over eggs the pudding no I love it I love it I love that it's adding that vintage timeless atmosphere to the song that vintage Beatles atmosphere to the song <laughs> well yeah but it's a classic for a reason the Beatles sorry are a classic for a reason mm. yes Marillion certainly thinks so don't they so anyway that's the end of the album uh, yeah. it, it's an interesting one somewhere else, isn't it? In, yeah, it is. I it think is, it is for sure. in their canon. But it's got a strange reputation, mm. but also it's a strange album. It's a strange in, engine, that one. Yeah, very good. <laughs> uh, you know, because it's not love. I think what we're going to do next week, mm. uh, not quite wrapping up yet, but I think what we'll do next week is we'll, we'll have a, another delve into Mike Hunter's reaction and this interview that's in... Ah. The web, and we'll also look at the two B sides circular ride and okay. say the word. We won't do them this week, but I think the album itself. What struck me listening to it was how you know listening to it again after all this time was a. It is better than I think a lot of people have given it credit for. I know there are bits on it that I don't like, and I think um, there are some definite lows, but. It's clearly an album they needed to do and get yes. out of their system. I feel I feel that way as well. Mm. I mean, I know it took it took a few years to come out after Marbles, but it sort of felt like so they needed to get out of their system. Mm. Well, they needed to do 
something completely different after marbles and just have fun experimenting with different kinds of sounds mm. and okay that might have come about by borrowing influences from bands that they admire which might not be to everyone's liking or taste oh they did it on circular ride as well which is shamelessly crowded house another band they always went on about crowded house i mean crowded house are great huh i did not circular ride did not remind me of crowded house but we'll talk about that more next week yeah but like as someone who hasn't heard those original songs, I haven't heard the Black Sabbath song. I haven't heard the Radiohead song. It's like coming to them fresh. I like them. I love what they sound like. Mm. Good. Good. Uh, what a shame that not more fans did. But as I said, when I've looked online, I there seem to be just as many people who love it or more people that love it than people who don't like oh, it. Oh, okay. From what I can tell among yeah. the fan base. I think uh, it's a good album. It's one I'm, I would uh, happily re-listen to I any don't, time. It, it's far, for me, it's far from their worst album. I'd always skip one of the songs. But <laughs> <laughs> Ten points to whoever can guess which one. But, but, but the rest yeah. of them, I'd happily listen to them. But as we said right back at the start of this whole Somewhere Else journey, I think it was the production coming after Marbles. It was the huge uh, shadow cast by Marbles. Yeah. I think the album would benefit from a better track listing because it, it sort of seems to just get bogged down in a lot of the same tempo in the middle. So what, you would mix the order of the songs yeah, up? Yeah, Keep the same songs, but mix them, their well, placement. I'd probably up. get rid of some of the songs. <laughs> it <laughs> might you? end up as an EP, which was their original plan anyway. But <laughs> wow. But yeah, I think that's part of the problem is that the track listing or the track order doesn't do it any favours. And then on top of that, you didn't have the pre-order campaign, which I think made people feel less ownership over it so there was a lot that it had to contend with anything that followed marbles was going to be a, ch- a challenge but you know but then that said so was anything that would follow fear and then look what happened with an hour before it's dark mm. which, which probably has even trumped fear yeah true but then they gave themselves a lot of time yeah to get out of fear's wake i'm yes. going to bookend it with a comment from the beginning of the podcast big powerful albums leaving Mm. a long wake behind them and you just have to wait for that for the waters to settle and come back to neutral before you start swimming Mm. but what as well is telling is is it feels for me i mean obviously happiness is the road couldn't have happened without somewhere else because a lot of the tracks that they wrote around around that time ended up on happiness is the road Mm. It, it was clearly at least for them they felt it was quite a rich period in terms of, of of creativity you know they were churning out music but yeah it just on this album it just didn't didn't land with with a certain chunk of the fan base but we'll get into a little bit more of, of what happened with mike hunter next week and we'll then we'll look at the two b-sides and then we're going to hopefully do a letters page yeah we've got quite a few letters have come in but if anyone else wants to send get us ready letters, Anthony. yeah we're gonna to have to do it with you perhaps over zoom but anyway beampod at gmail.com if you want to send us a letter um about somewhere else preferably or anything but you know we've got a lot about somewhere else so yes about anything <laughs> uh 
And then we will at some point get into Happiness is the Road. We've hopefully got a couple of interviews coming up. Yes, exciting. One of them I have had to did have to postpone. We were meant to do it this week, but then my dad went into hospital, so it's been yeah, it was a bit hairy. Uh, yeah, been a horrible week, but we will get around to it. So we've got a couple of those coming up, um, and I think you know there'll be other things before we get to Happiness Is the Road. We want to give ourselves a bit of time. Yes, I know I need time not only to listen to the album, but to also listen to the book, The Power of Now. If anyone else wants to join us, I've downloaded club, it as an audio book. <laughs> Because it's just sometimes easier, and be, no, also because I can now. Because I tried list, I tried listening to the Power of Now as an audio book about twelve years ago, but Eckhart Tolle's voice was so slow, or his way of speaking his was so slow, I couldn't get through it. But now, of course, you can uh, change the speed of audio books. So I plan on putting it on double speed, and seeing how that goes. I've just got to finish another audio book I'm listening mm. to first. Are you going to listen to it? I've tried. I tried listening years ago and I tried reading it. He just kept repeating himself. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, your least favourite thing. Yeah. Why did you marry me? Because I love you. I repeat myself all the time. Yeah, you get stuck on things. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm like a, I just keep moving forward. You just forward. keep going forwards. I, I, I move forwards, but in little loops. Yeah, yeah, you do. You're like a ballerina. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, that's me. Because I'm like a, a bullet train. <laughs> I twirl my way into the future. Yeah. All right, everyone. Um, everyone stay well. Oh, God, I've run out of steam because I haven't had my lunch. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Look at that. It's way past your lunch time. Yeah, I know. I know. I've, I've totally ground to a halt. You'll have to wrap up the podcast and you do do what I normally say. Oh my goodness, what do you usually say? Everyone, thank you for listening to us and sticking with us. Uh, we're very happy to have you along on this well, ride. Well, look at, look at how self-conscious she is now that she's on the spot. What, what, what else do you say? Like, comment and subscribe. You, no, you that's can't YouTube. like, comment and subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Tell people about us. Oh, support us on Patreon for the love of God. www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. We've not done a bonus episode for a while. We will do, perhaps try to do one next week. But again, we've had quite a lot going on. Um, but you do get these episodes early. Yes. Yes. And you can support us for just a pound a month. You can support us for a little bit more a month if you are generous and love us and appreciate what we do for you. Uh, he says guilt tripping. And also you get other stuff where you can see our faces. <laughs> that brought your energy back. Oh, you know, step into a void. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, the exhilaration of stepping into a void. <laughs> okay. That's it then. Okay. Bye. 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 If I could travel in time sometime, I'd travel to the end of all of mankind. And there I'd find a brother of mine. We travel through space on his crystal ship.